0: As the world is writing a new story of global kinship, Postmodern Missionary dives into what it means to be a missionary pushing against the heritage of colonialism. Join Reverend Katie Meek as she explores life and faith in Sierra Leone.
1: Hello friends and neighbors, international and local. I know it's been a little while since you've heard from me um in the last year since you last heard from me i've been back in sierra leone i am teaching uh at the at the moment i'm teaching systematic theology and i've taught mission and things like that as well as working in the the registry as the deputy registrar doing some administration for the united methodist university things are going really well um but i wanted to come back on today because um The last time you heard from me, Bishop Yambasu, John K. Yambasu had just died, and I was in the middle of all of that devastation and grief, Um, and I, and now it's been uh, almost exactly a year. We, um, we had a worship service and memorial uh, service for the one year anniversary of Bishop Yambasu's death last week. And then today, um, as I'm speaking, and I hope as I put this podcast out, today would have been his 65th birthday, um, August the 24th. I wanted to actually take the time and go back and re listen to and share with you the conversation that I had with Bishop Yambasu. Um, I think it's almost exactly three years ago now, it was in August of 2018. Almost exactly two years before his death, almost exactly three years ago now, you know, I went back and listened to it last week, and uh, he has a compelling. He shares his vision for the United Methodist University. He talks about his family. He talks about some of his international relationships and partnerships and the ministry that he did over the course of his life. And as I went back and listened to it, you know, the thing that really stood out to me was his laughter, um, Bishop Yambasu was just the most joyful leader and um, the kind of person that you wanted to be around because he was funny. And even in the middle of everything falling apart, which happened a couple of times, you know, all of these frustrations and struggles and things like that, that he was walking through. um, There was never any time that he, that there was not laughter on his lips. He just made everything joyful. And I left him for that. And if you want to hear more about my own uh, remembrance of him, I'm going to put in the show notes what I wrote. Um, about a year ago now, I guess, um, in, in remembrance of him. And also you can go back to the last podcast, um, that I put out almost exactly a year ago now, right after Bishop Yamasu died as well. So you can hear more about that, but I wanted actually you to hear from him in his own words. Nobody could put it the same way he did. And I hope that you, that you are blessed by this and remembering him. And that you would continue to pray for Sierra Leone and um, for the United Methodist University. The other thing I wanted to say as we get going is a lot of the dreams that Bishop Yambasu talked about in terms of expansion of the university have come to fruition. We, um, since then, since, since August three years ago, we have opened up three new schools and we're in the process of opening another one. So we have a school of education, a school of business, and a preparatory college to help um, students pass the um, entry exam for university as well as the School of Theology. And right after I record this, I'm about to get on the road and go go to Bo. I've been back and forth with Bo all month in, in the month of August because we're doing a distance program in our second big city in Sierra Leone. Um, so we're training, I think something like 27 chaplains and um, aspiring pastors as we speak, and they are taking their exams um, this week. So I, I want you to know that the university, um, we've had our ups and downs and And you may hear more about that soon, but we really are thriving in terms of the work that we've been, that we've been tasked to do. And in terms of the the fruit that we are seeing and the transformation that is happening, it's really beautiful to behold. And we're really grateful to Bishop Yambasu for his vision and the ways in which even after his death, that vision will carry forward. And we're walking in his legacy of the vision that God gave him. There's nothing more to say except you should listen. To a really wonderful man of God, human being, uh, Bishop John K. Yambasu. <laughs> okay, um, so welcome, Bishop Yambasu, to the podcast.
0: Well, thank you, Katie.
1: Uh, uh, it's good to see you this morning. We are in your office. Um, in downtown Freetown, so people might hear there's just honking and it's the middle of the rainy season, so rain happening outside and all the things. <laughs> um, but it's a good season. I'm, I'm, enjoying, I'm enjoying the rainy season.
0: It is a good season because this is the time God waters the earth for plants to grow mm-hmm. and for food to be available for people to eat.
1: Yeah, it's wonderful. It's actually, this ri- this rainy season is kind of strange, though. We it's been a light season, hasn't it?
0: It's been a light season, extremely light season, because by now, we should be really having excessive downpour of rain. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's been, we've had some really nice days.
0: Yeah, the last three four days has really been good.
1: Yeah, yeah, strange. W- w-
0: good in the sense that we have sunlight, mm-hmm. but not in the sense that there is no rain, because right. This is the time Surreal Union is really expecting rain, yeah. more so for our farmers, because while we rejoice here in the city that there is no rain, right. the farmers down yeah. in the rural communities are really sweating. They are just thinking, wow, what's happening yeah. to our crops?
1: I didn't really think about the agricultural side of it. I've, I've been worried about what's going to happen in March and April when we don't have enough water. <laughs> Because water is an issue, <laughs> you know, water is an issue certainly in Freetown. It is an
0: issue, most of, Well, not just in Freetown, but, but maybe in Freetown, yes, because we have the heaviest population of the country here in Freetown. Right. Yeah.
1: But kind of everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. Infrastructure is one of those things that we are still hoping and dreaming for. Oh, yes,
0: <laughs> yes, especially with the new direction government that has come.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's. Okay. So I'm going to write that down. We can talk a little bit about that later, maybe if we have time. Mm-hmm. But what I'd like to do is give people a chance to get to know you, and talk a little bit about the um, university, as well as Sierra Leone and um, the the gifts and the b- and the beautiful thing about the church here, as well as um, the country itself. All right. So um, you've been a bishop now,
0: for ten years.
1: For ten years. Fourteen
0: um, years.
1: So wow, and you are f- you are from Sierra Leone.
0: Ten challenging years. Yes, years from Sierra Leone. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> so, um, yeah, you've. I mean, I. I bet you have some stories to tell uh, about the the about God's faithfulness, but certainly some some um, s- some sleepless nights here. Absolutely,
0: Katie. Well, thank you first of all for having this podcast with me. Um, My name is uh, Bishop John Mm Yambasu. I'm Bishop of the United Methodist Church, um, resident in the Sierra Leone area. I was elected on the 28th of December, 2008. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like 10 years old, you know, Mm -hmm. 10 years old in the Episcopacy. But of course, the most interesting thing that I always want to share with people is the fact that I am the first generation Christian in my family. Oh yes my grandparents my parents brothers and sisters and everybody in my family are muslims mm. i am the only christian in my family uh, except for my own children right. all of them and my wife are all christians but that gives me you know a better perspective of who i am even as i go as i came into ministry and uh, my relationship you know, with the people from whom I came.
1: Yeah, because it's about 60% Muslim in Sierra Leone. It's about 60% right?
0: Muslims in Sierra Leone. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's
1: interesting. We, we get lots of days off for different Muslim holidays. We just had one a couple of days ago.
0: We just had one, and uh, unfortunately, I never had it because we are busy here in the office, working out budget for 2019 mm-hmm. for Mercy Hospital and uh, the Chad Rescue Center. But I think it was a holiday what's spent in that way.
1: Yeah. Well, I think um, the, the work of a bishop is never done. And certainly <laughs> certainly in Sierra Leone, you're certainly a very hard Suri- worker. <laughs>
0: it is strange when other bishops get to hear that I was sitting down on the budget committee. Yeah. That's not the work of a bishop, you know. Right. B- b- but then here in Sierra Leone, Africa, you got to do that mm-hmm. because you need to provide guidance and all the rest of that. And in any case... It is expected of our people. It's part of our culture. Right. Especially when you are dealing with partners who are pouring in their money into the programs. They want nothing but the best. Right. And you not being in a meeting and then having the wrong budget can never be a good excuse for them. Right, so right. So you have to make sure that the right thing is done.
1: So in many ways, you you are there to provide, um, ad- because you have exposure to the ways people in the West do things and certain expectations with your partnerships, but then also provide your own wisdom and accountability.
0: Absolutely. Especially when we are in a time of transition right now in those two programs. We are just facing out the residential program, so we will no longer have an orphanage Mm -hmm. in uh, uh, keeping with the expectations of uh, the United Nations that the best place to care for children is in the home. Right. And so some two months ago we transitioned all of the forty children in the on the orphanage into homes. And so it's a critical time. Right. And yeah. so it's a new budget totally of what it means to keep them in those homes, taking care of them and their families is a new dynamic, new staff, new orientation and everything. So, so we are, it's a learning curve, and so we had to put everything together mm-hmm. to make sure we prepared the right budget, because mm-hmm. if we miss it, we miss it for good.
1: Right, right. So let's talk just really quickly, because I, I think th- um, the CRC and Mercy Hospital and all of that is kind of your baby in some ways it is my
0: baby yeah it is my baby and i give god the glory for that yeah
1: well <laughs> i mean i think i think in many ways what um we we saw the kind of uh, visionary leader that you are uh, through that uh when it started so uh the crc is called the child rescue center it's in bow mm-hmm. and now there is a hospital attached to it called mercy hospital so can you tell us just quickly the story of how all of that started
0: it's an interesting story and a very long one, too. But mm-hmm. thank you. I, I will tell you very quickly. I I was a staff working here at the UMC house. Mm-hmm. And I experienced as a youth director.
1: And this was like 1999, 2000, the something like
0: that? No, 1990. I actually oh, came okay. here in 1990. Wow, okay, Yes. Okay. And I did that for about eight years. And that was the time when the war broke out in Sierra Leone. hmm And by the time we were in 1995-96, it it has reached its peak.
1: Right. And you were here throughout the whole war? And I,
0: I was here up to 1998. Okay. Okay. Yes, up to 1998 when I left for the U.S. But from 1990 to 1998, I actually experienced the war. Yeah. The mayhem, the amputations, and all the rest of that. And I was personally involved in taking corpses from the streets to gather mm. my young people mm. into the mortuary. Oh, my God. Yeah, into the mortuary because there were bodies, you know, littering the streets and vultures pecking on them and all the rest of that. Oh, my God. And especially children who were abandoned on the street when their parents were killed. And so I left this country to go to Kanla School of Theology for school with a bleeding heart and a mm. deep, deep, deep burden upon my heart. For those children and so immediately I finished school of course there were temptations in those days for compatriots you know with whom who had left this country who decided to stay because it was very terrible for them to come back right but I decided after that experience of seeing those children on the street I decided to to leave the US after my studies to come back home and join government in the rehabilitation process Hmm. you know rebuilding process of the country And that was how the dream of the Child Rescue Center actually came about. And uh, fortunately, I had a friend who is more than a friend, who has been more than a friend, Tom Berlin, from Floris United Methodist Church Mm -hmm. in the Virginia. Mm -hmm. And I shared this dream with him. And he said to me, John, I think I can partner with you. You know, it's a vision that's what, you know, pursuing. So the two of us worked together. And that was how Child Rescue Center came about. We defied everything in terms of church protocol. (laughs) His bishop wasn't involved. My bishop wasn't involved. Wow. And somewhere along the line, we were stuck. But the two of us were very convinced that that was the right thing. Because if we had wanted to go through the normal protocol, we would never have had a. Child Rescue Center. Right. In the process, I lost my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I lost my job for just doing that. Yeah. But thank God the Child Rescue Center is there today. Yeah, and and with over 600, you know, 600 children in the program. Oh, my God. Yeah, we just thank okay. God for that. And over six, seven of them now graduates, being medical doctors and engineers and all the rest of that. That's amazing. That is pretty pretty job. And yeah. that's what happened. When we put God into our vision,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, well, and, and certainly uh, go after a risky thing in front of you. Oh yes! Oh yes! Uh, oh yes! Know. What what was it at the inauguration? Um, Kim Cape, uh, Dr. Kim Cape said, "What happens if you don't take a risk? Nothing. And nothing happens if you right. don't take a risk. Yeah. nothing happens if yeah. you don't
0: take a risk. I think that was a powerful statement.
1: Mm-hmm, it was.
0: A- and so the Child Rescue Center was a, was established. First, as a feeding program, feeding mm-hmm. the children, you know, one day, at least providing them one meal a day, which mm-hmm. was good. And by the time it was like two weeks, everybody in Boatown, where Child Rescue Centers are established, have come to know about it. Wow. And the children we were just pouring in. Mm-hmm. And some of them, and so we have to increase the feeding to two times a day. Wow. It's like a beggar finding food. Mm-hmm. Guess what will happen? goes to find the next beggar right. and bring him in. <laughs> yeah, and so all of these children started pouring in, and sometime because the number was increasing and they knew they have to eat in the morning, they will never leave the premises. They will stay there in the open place. They sleep in there so that they will be the first in line. Wow! And so I thought it was unjust and very, you know. Because I was comfortable sleeping in and the morning by one o'clock I get out, I see all of these children. Mm -hmm. So then the idea of having an orphanage came in. Right. So we decided to bring them in. Yeah. But we couldn't bring all of them in. We started with forty. Wow. And so because of the cost involved, we closed the feeding program and focused on those forty children who were in the home. Yeah. But then many of them that we you know we recruited in the home were malnourished and they brought they were sores and all over the body. And uh, it was pretty expensive taking them to the hospital every now and then. So we thought we could have an in-house kind of clinic. Mm-hmm. So we did a one-room out of the orphanage setting, just one room, and employed a trained and qualified nurse mm-hmm. so that the children who were malnourished, you know, give them nutritious food and all the rest of that, clean their wounds mm-hmm. and the malaria and the every kind of thing. And so it was that one-bedroom, mm-hmm. that one-bedroom kind of crash clinic right. that has now been transformed into a full-fledged Mercy Hospital.
1: And Mercy Hospital does research um, about communicable diseases Oh, they here. do. It's one and of the best. It's yeah.
0: one of the best research hospitals in this country. It's
1: amazing. It and is. They, they have a new wing now. I was just there in, I guess, April. So um, it really is incredible, all the things that they do. That is the
0: OR, the new OR building. We are hoping that we'll be able to open that OR building. In January, basically through support from the helping children worldwide in Virginia, we have got all of the equipment, the surgical equipment and machinery and everything now in the high seas. Mm -hmm. So we'll be able to have that and officially open the hospital, the new building. And that will bring in an overflow of Mm patients. So while we are doing that also, we're also thinking of expanding the hospital by... Providing a new building for admitting for admitting patients.
1: Great! Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so that gives a little history, and then you um, lost your job at the at the UMC house and became later a missionary.
0: I lost my job. I focused for one full time, one full year on CRC, mm-hmm. and then later on. The General Board of Global Ministries, United Methodist Women, saw the very good work that I was doing, and they thought I could expand that to other parts of Africa. Wow. And so they hired me as a as a regional missionary, okay. and I worked in Ghana where I was in sub-Saharan Africa mm-hmm. in about 13 countries, but I was based in Ghana. Okay. And that was another eye-opening experience I for me all together as I, you know, came into direct contact with people with AIDS and the children in conflict with the law, and uh, you know, also I did all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. You know, from student movement to scholarship for ch- for children and depraved students who could not go to college because and they have all their qualifications and working with General Board of Higher Education and GBGM and all the rest of that. It, it was a it, it was like anything. Mm-hmm. I did almost anything there. <laughs> And that was really very interesting. And that kind of really opened my eyes to the realities in our world, the inequalities in our world, especially in Africa, with the abundance of potential wealth that we have and diamonds and gold and all the rest of that. But how our people still live in squalor, you know, on the continent.
1: There's a lot of injustice.
0: A whole lot of injustice. And
1: you just run into it around every corner, it seems like here.
0: We're here and so we, we live with it, we sleep with it, we yeah. wake up with it day by day. Right. Day by day. Yeah. You see, day by day. And sometimes, you know, often when we have missionaries coming here, it's like they come to do one thing, mm-hmm. but by the time they are actually there for one or two weeks, they want to do so many things. <laughs> like you, Katie. <laughs> because because you are turning to one need, and then there's another need. Oh, this is important too. So mm-hmm. let me do it. And then there's <laughs> another and another. So what I always tell my missionaries is, it's better off when you do one
1: mm-hmm. and do it well. Right.
0: Then you do so many, right. and you are stretched so thin. Right. So so that's where we are.
1: <laughs> that's right. that's right. I'm very happy to be at the university <laughs> that way. Oh. Give my attention there. Yes, yes. oh, yes.
0: oh yeah, yes.
1: Well, I will say that we in the West have a tendency to want to fix things. and you know, generally um, mission work is not about fixing things. it's it's, um, it's about developing relationships and opening and through those relationships, um, saying yes to to God when God works, right. It so is
0: about relationships. It is about empowerment. It is about knowing that the people you have come to work with, not for, mm-hmm. are equally knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. And because they are in their context, they know about their context more than you right. do as a missionary. Yeah, not equally knowledgeable, uh, more knowledgeable. Uh, yes. So 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 all that a missionary is supposed to do is to say, what can we do together?
1: Right.
0: Instead of how can I help you?
1: Right.
0: You see, again, that's where we miss it. It's not really helping, but working together. Mm-hmm. I think that's the war. Is it togetherness?
1: And in the process, hopefully, b- there is a change in both.
0: There is a change in both, right. definitely. There is ah. a change in both. In fact, I have I have told missionaries. i have been a missionary myself and working in Africa. Mm-hmm. I, I I just I, I, you know, that's just me. You go to a context, and by the time you live there, you are never ever the same again. That's true. You are never the same again. That's true. As I say, you are broken, you are shattered, and then you transform into a completely new somebody Mm -hmm. other than the somebody that you were before. Mm -hmm. That's what mission does to all of us who have been in mission.
1: Then
0: you became a bishop in 2008? Yes, I worked as a missionary for like 8 years in sub-Saharan Africa doing all sort of things and then in 2008 I was asked by some key leaders in the conference to come and provide leadership. It was not really what I wanted to do, mm. I must confess, yeah. because I was really engrossed in my mission work. Mm-hmm. It took it, ju- it just took the whole out of me, mm-hmm. everything. I was just engrossed and doing mission work, meeting new people, you know, seeing needs, and trying in your own feeble way, it could be frustrating, because you could not provide everything, but just being there with them, Mm -hmm. you know, touching, and feeling, and sitting down on the floor, and uh, go into this, you know, depraved homes, and you drink water from them, and all the rest of that, Mm -hmm. and it was just wonderful, so I love that, so when the court came for me to be bishop, and I said to the people here in Sierra Leone, if you can identify somebody, I will give you every support. I will serve as a liaison for Sierra Leone. I will ask, work with GBGM to provide funding and all the rest of that. And the little leader then said to me, bishop, it's not about money. Mm. It's about personnel. It's about leadership. Mm-hmm. It's not about money. Right. So, so and somebody said to me, and he was the very one, y- you know, who, who, who said to me, Bishop, you are the Esther for our situation in Sierra Leone. Mm. God has exposed you in the outside world to know what the realities e- so that he will equip you to come back in Sierra Leone and serve. Yeah. And if you don't come back to Sierra Leone, Posterity will hold you responsible. Mm. A- a- and that kind of really sp- touched my heart. Yeah. So I said, Well, let me pray about it. But my prayer actually was that I don't come. <laughs> so eventually, the interesting <laughs> thing is, hey, look, one day we sat in the living room, the time dining table with my family, you know, four children, myself and my wife. Mm. And I said to them, you know what? That's what God is saying that we go. People have come to me and the uh, in fact, when they went to me, two people went to me, and one of them we all sat at the table introduced them. I said, you see those people that came last week? They wanted me to go and be bishop. I said, but honestly, I don't want to go. Let's vote. Let's put it in a
1: vote. <laughs> With your family. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Let's put it in a vote. Where the two elderly children, where there were actually three of them, they have missed home. Because Mm -hmm. they have grown up here, they have got Mm -hmm. friends and all the rest of that. Right. And going to Ghana, it was new friends, and it was a little traumatic for them, a little bit, having to change location and geography. But then the two other girls, the two little girls, they were well into being Ghanaians.
2: Mm -hmm. They
0: were speaking the tree language and the the tree, the local language. Mm -hmm. They got many friends, bringing friends home. So they they said, well, we we are not voting because we are more than we are. (laughs) <laughs> so, but but we don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> we want to stay here. Uh. But to cut a long matter short, in the final analysis, I think I conceded. Yeah. You know, to God and said, I will come. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a whole s- different story altogether. It's beautiful. Um,
1: I do think that Sierra Leone uh, is crying out. F- for leadership and and I, I think leaders who have integrity Um leaders who have integrity and who are willing to work hard um because uh they're they're um it, it seems like w- what we often see here at least um from my perspective from the outside is that um sometimes people find power and then they they use that power to serve themselves rather than the community And I might be (coughs) wrong about that.
0: Well, sometimes could be an underestimation. It's really most times. Mm. Most times. People aspire to leadership, not on account of wanting to lead or to give, but to receive. And that is what is responsible, you know. Almost uh, since 1961, we got independence on 50, almost 60 years down the line. There's not much difference that you'll find. Mm-hmm. And worst of all, you know, the war came and then Ebola and all the rest of that. So leaders always want to find reason for not doing the right thing and for doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so today, all oh, it's because of the war. all oh, because of colonialism. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I say to them, our colonial mass has left since 1961. Right and we are still turning back, yeah. I think we should be forward-looking. Yeah. But, but that is really what it, What we need in this country. What we need in this country are visionary leaders. Mm-hmm. Leaders who, th- who, who always believe that they cannot lead without God. Mm-hmm. Leaders who are satisfied with serving and giving rather than being served and receiving. Right. I think that's what we need. Right. That's what we need. Uh, And and that's one of the reasons, you know, leadership with integrity, Mm -hmm. leadership with integrity. And that's why maybe that's the next place you I want to take me. Right. I was about yeah. to go that direction. <laughs> 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 I was thinking,
1: that's a good segue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, when I came first came, I didn't actually quite realize I was going to be as involved in the university as I am now. Uh-huh. Uh, but it really kind of takes up most of my life, and I love it. Um, but you, uh, what I've, I found was there is a new United Methodist University. It's in the process of getting off the ground. It's been your dream for I don't know, more than a decade. More than a decade. Um, so, so tell us about um, the the United Methodist University, kind of where it comes from, and also why you want, wanted to start it.
0: Well, well, thank you, Katie. So many reasons. As I shared with you, I am the first generation Christian in my family. Mm-hmm. And I happen to have had my education through missionary influence. I was supported uh, from the very early stages by missionaries because my parents we are poor could not afford the cost and but for the church i never would have been who i am today
1: right i feel the same
0: I, yeah i never would have been who i am today and, and so i i feel but and, and that's what i always say even in this country that this country is to move from where it is mm-hmm. the church must take leadership Christians must take leadership
1: moral leadership more leadership yeah, more more, moral leadership. And more and moral leadership ethical yes, leadership
0: you're right yeah a- and so when when, when, when i be and uh, and so when I became a missionary and I was working you know in Ghana and then for a whole year I was at Gbgm for some orientation for some other mm-hmm. you know walk. Other than the stuff that I was handling, uh, the women's division, which was trying to focus more on children, and so I was in the U. and in, in the U.S. for one year to try to put all of those together. That's when I had this vision of education, education, and education mm-hmm. as the one single thing that would transform the entire face of Sierra Leone. So down the line, when it became obvious two years later, two years from that time, that I was going to be a bishop because there was every indication, then I thought that was an answer because Mm -hmm. outside Sierra Leone, I would not be able to do that. And that was one of the reasons, again, why I decided to be a bishop because I would not have been able to achieve that dream of having a university outside of Sierra Leone as a missionary. Right. You got to be there and you got to be in charge. Right. So, it was right there that I had this vision of a, of a United Methodist University. There are so many reasons. One, Sierra Leone happens to be one of the most illiterate nations in, mm-hmm. our, in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Conservatively, we should be about 70%, 30% literacy.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, 30% literacy. I
1: remember early on, um, Reverend Rogers was... um, I have a driver, and he was doing a contract. We were doing a contract with him. Uh And it struck me so much that it was just a common question. Reverend Rogers looked at him and said, Do you read? Um, Because you almost have to ask that question pretty consistently. Oh, yeah. Because you don't... I mean, 70% don't. They don't. No, they don't. And that
0: is sad. Yeah. And that is sad. Because... It, this, in this country, we had the first university
1: mm.
0: in sub-Saharan Africa. Right,
1: Forbe College, right? Bay College, yeah. yes. The Fort Athens College. of the West. The
0: Athens uh, of the West. West you know, Africa, West yeah. Africa. And people all over West Africa came here to get their degrees and their doctorates. And we are still backward mm. until some what? until some years back, there was only one university, which was the University of Sierra Leone that was later divided between University of Lyon and then Jala University, mm-hmm. when Jala became a statutory institution on its own. But uh, even at that, we have made very little impact mm. on the level of literacy in the country. Again, the United Methodist Church is one of the oldest denominations in this country.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, we have elementary schools, all over 300 plus elementary schools. But then this year and then we have high schools all over, now about 35. Yeah, high United schools. Methodists. United Methodist. like Church. we
1: started it, we sponsor yes. those, chir- those schools. absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, we still have about 300 plus elementary schools and 35 plus high schools. But what happens is that the kind of education that is offered at our university level is so secular mm-hmm. that by the time the child leaves our institution's high school and goes to Frobey College, on Yala University for four years, they have lost a whole lot of the Christian values.
1: Right, yeah.
0: And so I thought to myself, if we have all of these schools, why don't we have a a Christian university Mm -hmm. that's concerned not only about secular education, but moral and ethical values? That's right. And that's the main reason behind the creation of the United Methodist University. And then also we thought, that if that was going to be the goal, then we must start with the seminary. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. We have to start with the seminary where we bring our people directly in contact with God and what it means to be a Christian worker. And then from there on, we will begin to add the other schools mm-hmm. to the university. And Katie, that's one of my joys. I've been I've been praying about that. And I seriously count on you, on your leadership to work with the Sierra Union team to really make sure that the, uh, our desired goals are achieved. But they see a whole lot about the university. Mm-hmm. We're just one year old and... Uh
1: That's right, we started last sp- uh, last fall, last September, right? So yeah. we have a group of students um, who are ministerial candidates um, f- uh, going, I- essentially going into ministry in the United Methodist Church. We started with our own and eventually we'll expand yeah, and advertise, y- right? Y- yes, yes.
0: So w- we were hoping that this year again we will add another nine to ten students. Mm-hmm. Uh, a whole lot of plans and uh, by next year we'll be introducing some other programs. I'm hoping two programs. Uh, by the next academic year, 2019, 2020 academic year, we we'll want to also include gender and human rights studies. Yeah. And that's my passion because I strongly believe that any theology without gender is not tha- it is not is is not it's, it's, it's bogus theology. Yeah. <laughs> that is definitely true, <laughs> and so we cannot have a seminary, especially in our context in Sierra Leone, where no wo- no matter what you do, women are always backward; they are right. always behind. Yeah. You see, and uh, this is that is injustice. Mm-hmm. So we want to include g- gender and the human rights studies again we are hoping that by the same token next year we introduce the graduate program mm-hmm. y- you know d- let me tell you why the graduate program here one it's very it's becoming very very expensive mm-hmm. to send our students to study in the us when i went to emory somewhere some 20 25 years back it was 25000 us dollar per year to right. maintain me right i went back a few uh, two or three years back, it w- it is forty five thousand dollars, and
1: that's cheap <laughs> in comparison to, to in comparison to other places. Oh, oh
0: yes, well. yeah. oh yes, oh yes, forty five. Yeah, and I said to myself, give me for the five thousand dollars in Sierra Leone, mm-hmm. and I, I will train a hundred students <laughs> in here. <laughs> One hundred students, uh. you know with the best theology, with the best Christian values and all the rest of that that we can feed right. into the nation. Right. But secondly, apart from the cost, we send our students, they will never come back. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons for the massive brain drain. Right. Because our economy is so terrible in this country, you leave university, you come back, you're not earning up to $150 a month right. for all that it takes. And so if there is the slightest opportunity for you to go Many of them go and they don't come back right
1: and and in many ways you can't blame them bec- because the, there's an opportunity for that Absolutely. but at the same time if if our leaders don't stay here Sierra Leone will never will, will, will never f- find what it's looking for in terms of um, in, in terms of wealth for its people and making sure nobody's hungry anymore and
0: Kitty you, know. you are right in fact that was one of the motivating factors that caused me to come back. Mm. I had everything I needed in the U.S. on everything it takes. I was good. I was given a job, and I was promised with my whole family that my whole family would go and join them. Who would not take that? But I said to myself, that would have been a great disservice to the church Mm. because I went there out of church resources. Mm -hmm. And so I could not have taken all of those to myself. Mm. That's corruption. That's where I took it because that's church resources invested in me for me to come back. Right. And give back to the country. Right. It was a very difficult decision, but I had to take it, and so I came. And honestly, I've never regretted it. Yeah,
1: that's really, I, yeah. I think, um, I, I think that that is where a Christ-centered perspective is really important, mm-hmm. because I think with Christ, you recognize that it really is not actually about you. <laughs> It's, it's about, Absolutely. it's, it's about we Absolutely. together, oh yes. um, and, and you lose your life in order to gain it, right? So, oh yes. so i um, in it's some biblical. ways, yeah. yeah, you've lost, you've, you've lost le- several lives to gain it, to mm-hmm. gain this one.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and also in the process, a lot of other people have been helped.
0: Oh yes. Oh yes. Today, you can't believe it. I took up with two elderly people in the entire UMC setting that had master's degree. 2 years down the line they retired and so I was the only one with a master's degree mm. in the conference wow and and you know what that means yeah you have a vision you're discussing with people they're wondering where is it coming from you know they look at you like you're coming from a different planet <laughs> and so <laughs> and so I thought that was a crisis for me
1: right
0: and it was a crisis for me because you can't share your vision you can share your view people, people just don't understand. Mm-hmm. When I told them about the university, they say, hey, they say here comes another, you know. <laughs> <laughs> crazy man. Another crazy Chris man, man right? another dreamer. <laughs> where is he going to have all of that money? What is he talking about? Right. <laughs> because a good number of them didn't have university education, theological education, because all of them, most of them were just theological education by extension. Right. You know, the kind of TEE that we offered here, where they come for one month every August, and after three years, three years you come, then we ordain you as a deacon. After right. two years, we ordain you as an elder.
1: Right. Which is, which is something. It's better it than nothing. But it is better
0: than nothing, but in our age and time today, right. we deserve better than okay, that. Yeah. A- and so I engage myself into intentional leadership development, right. sending these students to the ecumenical theoretical seminar that we had here, sending them to Africa University to do their bachelors, to do their diplomas, and to do their masters. Mm-hmm. And today I have not yet arrived, but I thank God that we have the kind of team that w- they that can now understand when we are talking about, you know, development or you know all the sort of that.
1: Right. Yeah. So in, in many ways you you're um, <laughs> Part of the university is about developing other visionary leaders, so so that they also can set their own vision, but so that when when um, we have a visionary leader who is bishop, um, they they can also get behind that vision and understand it and um, and and communicate it out to to their congregations, so that so that everybody can get behind something better. I, you know, I think something that I've noticed is that. Um, Oftentimes, when, when uh, I talk with Sierra Leoneans, um, I, I feel like there's, a in some ways, a confidence issue. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily see themselves as, as able and capable of, um, uh, even if they do dream, even if they are dreamers, they don't necessarily see themselves as capable of, of accomplishing that dream. And I think education really does help people to, to uh, give them confidence to say, okay, actually, no, this is a dream that God gave me, and we can do it together. Um,
0: it, it, it is about, it really, in as much as it's about leadership development, it's also about mentoring. Mm-hmm. Not that a good number of our pastors here do not have anything to give, but one, it takes confidence. Yeah. And so what education does is to give them that confidence mm-hmm. to say, you can do mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You can do it. I often say to them, y- you know, that in each one of us there is a glow. <laughs> or you need to do add a little bit of fuel to it and becomes yeah. an inferno. Oh
1: that's wonderful.
0: Yeah, it blazes out. That's right. And that's what we need. And that's what I have been trying over the last 10 years to instill in my mm. clergy to, to, you know, for them to know that each in each one of us there is a gift that God has given mm. and we have to transform that gift into something tangible, Not only for their own personal benefit, Mm -hmm. but for the benefit of the church and society. Absolutely. Because, uh, again, coming back to where we started the reason for my coming. One of the things, one of the reasons why God blessed Abraham was that, and God made it very clear to Abraham that I am going to bless you so that you be a blessing unto others. Mm -hmm. So that you be a blessing. And so all that I am doing is really realizing the fact that I have been blessed. I don't have material resources. I don't have w- all it takes in terms of the world standard. Mm-hmm. But spiritually, I think I have been specially blessed. From coming from a Muslim background to being a Christian, I have seen the light. I'm now walking towards my salvation. And all the rest of that, I think that's tremendous blessing that God has ever given me. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to come back home. And be a blessing to others, mm-hmm. so that they too, and and that is what has been translated into the many churches that we have been establishing all over this conference, especially in the north, where a good number of those people, predominantly they are Muslims. Mm-hmm. You want to see Muslims now being converted; they becoming Methodists, becoming Christians, and all. That's just about giving back, being a blessing to others, and that's one of my jobs. Mm-hmm. That's one of my jobs. Yeah.
1: I like to say about the university that we, um, in many ways, are playing the long game, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is, um, I- is there are s- there are certainly short-term gains that we could be making in the process, but but we've chosen to to invest and form a foundation yeah. so that we can develop principled leaders, so th- for the next generation, so that the next generation can essentially have have the empowerment. To make things better, have the vision, have the integrity,
0: mm-hmm.
1: have the su- the excellence, uh, focus, and all of that to make things better.
0: Well, Kitty, I will be working with the faculty, with you people, mm. maybe in the next one week when I'm a little settled. Um, you're right. One of the visions and I have uh, is to develop a new program that's called Le- Leadership Academy.
2: Mm.
0: In 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 the context in which we live today, we cannot just leave the whole uh, issue of running the church in the hands of clergy. Yeah. Oh. They are too busy. They are over busy doing busy, almost busy. everything yeah. that we need to train cutting-edge, you know, lady mm-hmm. to give the kind of support, mm-hmm. you see, to give the kind of support to our pastors. So we are having, we hope that as we go into this academic year, we'll all sit down together, we can plan like two-month or three-month courses for laity Mm -hmm. in the area of evangelism, in the area of church finance, in the area, because again, that's where it is. Mm -hmm. And this is what I think the seminary ought to be doing, giving back. Mm -hmm. Because we have all of these people running the church. Today we have issues of finance, you know, money running the church. Mm -hmm. And who are the people really handling the money? The laity in the church. (laughs) And so we need to really go back to the root, bring them together, even even once every month or every quarter, and teach them basics in sacrificial giving, basics in Mm self-giving, personal giving, other than sitting down, collecting the offerings that come and then put them in the bank and next day they write checks to read. It Mm. goes beyond that, Mm -hmm. you see. And especially with the new university we are building and everything, the new churches and the new personages, we can't depend one hundred percent on what is coming out. Right. You know, the days are far gone when and Global Ministries used to send to churches what they call block grant. Here is twenty thousand dollars. Use it for discretion. Now there is no discretion upon. all. Mm-hmm. Every money coming in this conference and around the world is now designated, right. and so you can use it otherwise. So we want to go into that to train our lay people how they could be more actively involved in the day-to-day running of the church. How can we do church in the light of our modern times? Yes. Th- time, You know times. So that's what we want to talk about. And we'll be working with you to do some short-term courses.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a I don't know how. It's just an idea. Yeah, no, I so think it's just a vision. I don't know. You are the experts, and you all will work on that.
1: Well, and we've actually already talked about it. We have we have kind of a, a list going of um, of ways that we can go beyond our current students. Uh-huh. And of course, you know that we have um, a chaplaincy program. Yes. For you already mentioned, we have four hundred something um, in America. I we I call yeah. them elementary and high and middle school and high middle schools. Middle school, high school. Okay. But um, primary and secondary schools. And and we're in the process of training a chaplain for each of the um, The secondary schools schools right now Uh so that um, we can continue to um, develop Principled and faith-based leadership among our young people. So every school was meant to to send a chaplain to be trained at the um, at the School of Theology as well. Yeah. So we've kind of started small, but it it it, it continues to grow. And it I think that there's grow. lots of good vision. It
0: continues to grow.
1: And of course, we've talked a lot about the School of Theology, which is the only one that we have open right now. Oh but yes, long oh term, yes. we plan to open a school of Allied Health Sciences, is Yes, that right?
0: Community and Allied Health Sciences. Okay. And then? And then also the School of Agriculture. Okay. And then the School of Development and Professional Studies. Wonderful. Those are the three.
1: That's fantastic.
0: That we want to add in the next four years.
1: It's a pretty bold goal. It's a bold goal. <laughs> it's a bold goal. Um, it's always
0: good to have your goals before you.
1: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Something to work toward. Oh, yes. So how can, um, you know, if people are listening and, and think, okay, I actually want to be a part of, um, uh, of making a long-term impact um, across the world. How, how can people who might want to partner with us do that?
0: Well, we're I think with the very first thing we need to do, like the kind of podcast we're doing, mm-hmm. we need to let the world and friends and partners know what we are doing. Absolutely. Then only they could be of help. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, we're also thinking of developing a website. Great. Yeah, part of that has been done. Uh-huh. Uh, just a matter of launching it. And through that, we are able to market our products and our needs and that. But also... In terms of what we might want friends, we will want friends and partners, how they want to be involved in. We, we have what we call, you know, we're developing what we call uh, uh, friends of the university. Ah, oh, great. Yeah, we can organize friends of the university. Mm-hmm. And there are so many, and uh, anything, anything. A $10, $5, nothing is too small mm-hmm. to begin a university. Mm-hmm. We need the last dime to be able to make a difference. Right. So we can have friends from the university. We can also have friends who will want to come on a, as volunteers to do some work. We are doing some construction programs, mm-hmm. you know, to do motor and brick kind of stuff. Somebody to come to help us with landscaping, you know, to beautify the compound. Maybe a librarian, somebody can come as a librarian to help us really reorganize and set up our library. I mean, there's enough for everybody to do.
1: Absolutely. We
0: might need a computer specialist who might want to come for one month or so and teach the students. You know, and all the rest of that.
1: Right, so we can actually we welcome c- um, academics from across the academics world. Academics
0: from across the world. They to can come. And come. Teach, yeah. Yes, as adjunct lecturers or professors. Mm-hmm. You can come for like a month and teach all the modules. Mm-hmm. They can teach and then give the grades and then you go back. Yeah, all sort of things.
1: Yes, yeah, so, uh, so there's actually lots of ways. I was going to say, come and see us. You I would love to host you. Uh,
0: come and see. Yeah. Come and see. Oh, yes. Well, thank you. Thank you for that offer. <laughs> thank you. We also have this dream, especially for the seminary for now, where we want to do a kind of guest housing, Mm -hmm. you know, for our adjunct lecturers who might want to come. Right. So there is enough. There is enough. We want to be guest housing. As you know, we're already doing the chapel there. Hopefully by next year, that chapel will be complete. And then that chapel will not just be for the students, but there are others living in the, in the you know, Leicester Peak environment who might not want to come downtown every Sunday to service. Right. They can use that as the church.
1: Oh, that's great. Oh, oh,
0: yes. We're going to make it open to them.
1: That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I first got here, you said, isn't it exciting to be to, to be a part of um, the beginning of what will be a great university? Oh, yes. Um, oh and, yes, uh, and, oh uh, yes. and it is exciting. It <laughs> is. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, well so thank you. I think there are really a lot of ways to be involved. There's, all a, um, There's all a lot. And we'd like to invite anybody who's listening to consider that. Go to your church or, as an individual, consider being involved. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it's very exciting. So let me ask you a couple of things. I, I, I'd like to know... Um, I have, like, a a list of 15 questions. Um, But uh, I guess my my first question would be, um, how's the church doing in Sierra Leone?
0: I think we are on the right footing. The church is progressing. When I came over, when I took up, we had only about six districts. Mm -hmm. Today, we can probably say we have up to 10 districts, and we're hoping that we'll create another new district by 2021 because we're already creating a new district now. We've created a new district in Pujan. We're creating a new district that's already matured enough in Kailang. And by next year, we are creating two other districts in uh, (coughs) Mm Cambia. Yeah, we're creating a district in Cambia, And so the church is doing well. We have expanded to places where we have never been, especially in the north and in the east and in the south. Uh, just creating new places for new people in keeping with the goals of the general of, of the general church we uh w- we have very strong youth fellowship and children christian education program children's ministry our women are strong uh, we do not have a strong men's organization anyway, mm-hmm. which is just common everywhere mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, our we are one of the leading denominations in the area of education. We are one of the leading denominations in the area of health. Yeah. We have about nine health facilities across the country, with four hospitals, including an eye, you know, an eye hospital. We are revamping our health, sp- you know, facilities all over the place, especially here in Kisi, in Freetown, and in Mercy Hospital. Mm-hmm all in the process of creating uh, a patient-friendly environment and uh, increasing our our capacity to reach out to more people with high-quality medical or health treatment. Uh,
1: That's one thing that I think... um, so w- one of the things that I love being about, uh, about being a United Methodist is that we do go back to John Wesley. Um, uh, his, his theological focus and understanding of the gospel is that it's both head and heart, and it's both soul and body.
2: Oh, yeah. And
1: so that means that, that Jesus cares about um, health. Jesus cares about justice. Jesus cares about making sure that you are eating enough, <laughs> um, that, that we, we people of faith care about the whole person. Oh yeah, um, and and even and, and I see that everywhere here. I mean, I think the United Methodist women speaking out against violence is um, so powerful, um, and I th- and I think also. I mean, we just had this election, and the the churches banded together. You bishops came together, and um, and really, in many ways, kept the peace.
0: Oh yes, well, by the grace of God, by the grace of God, by the grace of God.
1: But I've seen you be bold and brave as a prophetic voice in this place.
0: Well, thank you. That's well,
1: true.
0: That, that's what we are called to do, Katie, because, because the Bible is very clear. God says, I have given you my word for, your, for my people. If you tell them and they move away from their evil ways, then if they die, if you if you tell them the truth and they do not obey it mm-hmm. and they die in their sins, their blood will be upon you. Mm-hmm. But if you tell them the truth and they disobey and they die, then you'll be free of their blood. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is a responsibility, it's a spiritual responsibility. And we need to come out very clear on this. Because you see, what is happening in this country is that for far too long, religious leaders have compromised their calling. And uh, we have, you know, sung the praises of the leaders that be when we ought not to. We ought, you know, we have, we have praised them when we ought to have condemned them. And so, you know, like all of the ills that has happened in this country over the years, yes, we may blame politicians, but we are to blame too. Mm. We share the blame. And so at this particular point, I think we need to be more proactive. We need to take a different stand and to say to government, well done when they do good, and they say to them, poor if they perform poorly. Right. I mean, we to have to be them out of Yes, we have to be prophetic about this. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and uh, there, is, there is no other thing, nothing else, no alternative, but just to do that. That's yeah. what we're called to do. Yeah.
1: So I have one last question. In talking about all of these um, questions of confidence and, and raising visionary leaders, my, my question for you, because I know you to be someone who is a hard worker uh, and a visionary leader and very confident um, in your call, so well thank I'm, you you're thank welcome you. Mm-hmm. I, it's true um and i i i w- want to know i think maybe where that comes from like what is the well from which you draw and where and 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 how is it that you have come to the place to to have that kind of principled and confident leadership
0: well well thank you katie for 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 that question first of all as I've shared with you already I came from a very poor home Mm-hmm. I went to school without shoes. Mm. I went to school with tattered uniforms. I went to school on a hungry stomach. Mm -hmm. And now that I have come to this point and God has given me this special privilege, I say to myself, I will use every energy and all that it takes, that all that God gives me to ensure that no child goes to school without uniform. No child goes to school with, with unhungry stomach. And, and that's my call. A- and, and so what I have done and what I have been doing over the years is that wherever I get the opportunity to be an advocate, to be a mouthpiece for the downtrodden in our community, in our society, I have to come down loud and clear. Mm-hmm. But also, as God gives me the opportunity directly, because it's not just about talking, mm-hmm. but about doing, and that's the gospel message. We do not only preach; we also do. And so, whatever it costs, as God gives me the opportunity, that's the reason why I am the only. Where maybe two of us, my 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 my, my cousin also had gone to university, in the same family. But those are the two of us in the entire village, of wow. about. 500 people in that village and in the entire community. So I want to give as much education as possible. Mm -hmm. I think you were with us when we went to my village Mm -hmm. and you saw the school that we're building. It's a way of giving back. It's a way of being a blessing. Mm. Because what you have experienced, you don't want others to experience it anymore. Mm -hmm. You see, the poverty that I went through, I don't want any other child to go through. And that's what we ought to do. So that's kind of my my propelling force. That's what it's in me. That's my drive. Mm-hmm. That's really the drive. You you see God created the whole world and creation and said behold it is good. But mankind fell out of grace. And yet still God's heart was still after us. And and so, even when he was annoyed with Adam Mm -hmm. and Eve, when (laughs) he was mad with them, Mm -hmm. sacrifice was made. Mm -hmm. An animal or two animals or three animals were killed Mm -hmm. so that their skin could be used as clothing. And so, even as that we see continue our sins, he still made another sacrifice, this time his own very son. And if God could make those sacrifices Mm -hmm. and has given us all that it takes to make them, who are we not to? Mm. Amen. So that's just what I do every day of my life. Mm -hmm. There are times people have been concerned about my physical health, about me going here and there. And I've always said to them, the Bible says, walk while it is day, Mm -hmm. for the night cometh when no man shall walk. And uh, I thought my day is the health and the strength that God has given me and I really want to invest it. Yeah. Sooner no, or later, a couple of years from now, I'm retiring.
1: That's right. <laughs> and I will not be doing this anymore. And you can sleep. Yeah, and <laughs> I can sleep.
0: So <laughs> I think I have enough time to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so, but now, let me do what I am doing.
1: Well, and yeah. I look at you, I, I, and do wonder how you do it all, um, and and so it 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 makes me feel like you must have a deep well of the sustaining spirit of God. God is there.
0: Yeah. God has been the force. God has been the one. It's beautiful. Yeah. God has been, and, and you know, and God has also blessed me with a wife who mm-hmm. allows me to. I mean, it, it, it's it's interesting. God has really blessed me with a wife who is the push. Mm-hmm. You know, who says, Johnny, you got to do this? This is what God has called you to do. Mm -hmm. This is what God has told you to do. Uh, And and it's very encouraging. And my children are all affirm, all affirm that. And and so, uh, and and you see, God has given me all it takes. Beautiful home, you know, nice family. We all live together in peace and unity and allows me the time to do what I'm doing. I think that's all. That's all. So God has been so kind to me in ways that I cannot express at all. Mm. He's giving me so much that even what I give, I think, can never, ever be compared with a tenth of what he has done for me.
1: It's beautiful. Well, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity. Well, thank you for the interview. And also, um, more than that, thank you for the opportunity to come here and serve. Um, you did tell me early on the first day I met you that Sierra Leone gets into your soul <laughs> and you fall in love with it quickly and oh, yes. into your heart. And, oh, and, and yes. that's certainly true. Oh, I yes. love it here. I love it well, here. Well,
0: thank you. I think you've made yourself available. I think that's all. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I say to missionaries, oh, we going to that country, but I don't have what it takes. So I tell them God is not interested in your qualifications.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What is interested in is your availability to mm-hmm. you make yourself available. And that's all. And thank God that's just what you are doing here thank with you. us.
1: Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. I appreciate
0: it. Well, thanks, Katie.
1: Well, God bless you.
0: God bless you. You have a good day. Yes, you okay. too.
1: I know you got things going on, so uh-huh. have a good one.
0: Well, thank you.